Hello, and welcome to another episode of PPC Town Hall. My name is Fred Valles. I'm co-founder uh, co and CEO at Optimizer. I'm also going to be your host for today's episode. So this episode is airing or premiering during Women's Week. So we decided we wanted to bring together some of the most influential women in PPC and digital marketing. Uh, some of the folks you're going to see here today are usually on the top 25 list of PPCers. One of them is not on that list because they don't just do PPC, they do a whole lot more than that. So they have broader skills. But, uh, but we thought it'd be interesting to have a conversation and see how these women have built their own brands and built their careers in PPC. Now, I'm going to be honest, uh, I'm a white privileged male. So leading this conversation can be a little bit awkward for me. Um, you know, what do I know about the issues we're going to discuss today? So my job, my role here today is really to facilitate the discussion, but let it flow where it needs to. And all three of our panelists are just as much the host of today's episode as I am. So, uh, but I can't wait to hear how they did it, how they got to where they are today, and some of the hurdles and challenges that they may have faced along the way. Uh, now, that said, I hope that this episode is also broadly uh, interesting to everyone, just from a PPC career perspective, right? There are differences, um, whether you're a man, a woman, a person of color, uh, all of these things change it, but there are also many things we have in common as humans, right? So let's not forget about that element as well. So with that, welcome to this episode of PPC Town Hall. All right, so here are my guests for today. Welcome, everyone. All right, we'll go around the screen and uh, get everyone to introduce themselves a little bit. But uh, Aguila DeFazio, let's start with you. Thank you for having me. Uh, my name is Aguila DeFazio. I'm the president of Advertise, and we are a social media advertising agency. And hence, you don't make it on the uh, top 25 PPC list because you do social. But it's still digital marketing, um, and all of these things are very interconnected, so I'm very happy to have an excuse to actually bring you onto the show for the first time. So thanks for Thank being here. Thank you so much. All right, next on the screen, we have uh, Nava Hopkins. Thank you very much uh, for having me. Uh, hi, I'm Nava Hopkins, uh, president of Nava Hopkins LLC. Uh, we help brands unlock uh, the profit and solve business problems, whether it's SaaS, whether it's managing ad accounts. Uh, I, am, I am very grateful uh, to be on the top 25 list with Fred. Uh, but more importantly, I'm very excited to uh, have those conversations about how people can take meaningful steps in their career, whether it's PPC or otherwise, um, regardless of gender. So thank you very much for having me. Yeah, and you've certainly made many steps over your uh, illustrious career. So can't wait to hear a little bit about how you made those decisions and uh, what happened. All right. And then we have Anu Adegbola. Uh, welcome to the show. You're coming back for the second time, I believe. It's great to see you again. You have made some career changes since we last spoke, so uh, tell us what you're up to these days. Of course. I'm very, very happy to be here and, you know, sharing the stage with, like, two ladies and I absolutely very much respect over the years. And I, I um, my, yeah, I'm working recently, very much recently, like this year, I joined Marin Software as an account director to really be the, like the paid search expert, the paid search lead to help um, our clients doing, do paid search very well. And I remember speaking about that to like one of the clients I was talking to recently when they were like, oh, is Marin good for us? And I was like, look, I will tell you that it is. I am, I'm someone who's 
very much part of the PPC chat Twitter community, especially, and even on LinkedIn, trying to really talk about all the changes that's always going on, that's coming out from Google, uh, Microsoft, Facebook, and 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 the likes. And um, my key thing is just to make sure that they're doing paid search really well. And that's really a passion of mine. And I love, love talking about it and discussing all the different updates and, you know, how to use it and test it well. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we somehow seem to keep bringing on competitors, uh, Marin this week, uh, others last week. Um, they give you permission to be on the show? Yes, I did. I got the permission just today. It came in like half an hour before the <laughs> started through. So I was like, yep, yeah, we're good to go. And they're like, as long as you mentioned Marin and how Marin is amazing and is a third great third party tool, you're good to go. And they are. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I obviously have no qualms about bringing on competitors because at the end of the day, this is such a big space and it's about education. So that's why we're here today. Hey, but, um, you know, let's, let's kind of go around the table again and talk a little bit more about the uh, the careers that you've had, the many places you've been at. Um, Aguila, let's go back to you. Uh, tell us a little bit about how you came to be where you are today. Sure. So I have a, an unconventional path, I guess you could say, but I feel like most of us come from many different backgrounds in our industry. Uh, but I went to school for physical therapy and I realized after graduating that it's not what I wanted to be doing. And anytime there are marketing tasks at the clinics I worked at, I jumped all over them and I didn't know what I was doing, but I was very interested to learn more. So I took the leap and um, got an internship that I fought for way back when, when I lived in Seattle at this place called Evo and they're an outdoor snow ski apparel company. And I, out of all 30 some applicants, I think I was the only one they said that didn't have a communications marketing or business degree. And they went with me as a wild card. And I'm so grateful to them because that's where my career really started. And I was there for several years. And then unfortunately the recession hit in 2008. So my school loans had kicked in at that point and we had to scale back on hours. So I needed to find something else and some really good friends with people that work there to this day, but I went and moved to a pet insurance company and uh, helped them from the ground up. And I was their first PPC person. So I did come from a paid search background way back when, but I've migrated over to paid social. So um, after that, I went to um, a, to third door media, which was a um, online publication. Door, right? as many of you uh, know. The people of search engine land exactly and the conference yeah search engine land marketing land search marketing expo martech a lot of different events and publications under their umbrella so i was there doing organic social paid social paid search um That's learned be, a lot I and mean, met being sort of at the uh, the powerhouse that tells everyone <laughs> to do an seo and ppc and now having to do it for them it was so great i've met so many wonderful people all of you and many more and i made lifelong friends and I just, I loved working there. It was such a fun time, but also marketing to marketers was quite the challenge. So um, I took it on as a welcome challenge and a lot of fruitful things have come from it. Quick, quick question. Who of us here actually clicks on ads on Google or are we all like, hey, you, you, know, <laughs> you click on ads? Sometimes. I do like 50, 50. Sometimes. <laughs> so if it, th there's two reasons why I'll click on an ad. Uh, one, it, I genuinely just, need it and it's it's actually better than what where the organic listing would be uh but the other it, and then i i make a, a prayer to the marketing gods to to apologize for clicking on an ad that i have no intention of of actually engaging with but to actually see what is the ad creative to the landing page so i can build mm -hmm. content of what is good and what is bad nice. Those are the two reasons to do it. Bad, i mean and then i suppose 
you put it in a presentation so now a lot of people see this brand and they still get the exposure for the five dollar <laughs> click that you just cost them so it's all good even though <laughs> But it is, uh, uh, let's jump into the gender thing here, right? But, I mean, you feel bad about having clicked on that ad? Do you think that's like women feel more bad about doing these things than men? Right? I, don't, I don't know. So I'm a fairly apologetic person. Uh, it was a real shift uh, to, to stop saying I'm sorry for everything and, and shifting to thank you for X, Y, Z, um, I forget who said it to me first. I've heard it. Several people put put this shift out there where rather than you saying, I am sorry for this, I'm sorry for that. You say, thank you for X, Y, Z things. So I guess what I should be saying is thank you brand for providing the opportunity for us to have an even greater education so that even more people can benefit rather than I'm sorry for costing you money. Um, but it, I, I will say um, I don't think it's a, women versus men thing. I think it's a empathy thing. Um, and how many people are in touch with uh, the empathy of, of what their actions are. Um, but just the, the confidence that comes from saying thank you instead of I'm sorry, I think is, is more the, the growth opportunity there. Yeah, I really like that. I'll try starting. I, I've also been shying away from saying I'm sorry. Um, because if you believe what you do, you should never have to apologize for it. Yeah. But just how you position it then as being thankful. I really like that. Yeah. Anyway, I interrupted you, Agvila, which No, no worries. That was a good sidebar question. I, I do the same thing. I'm like, oh, I don't want to click this ad or don't want to look for the organic results right below it. Um, but the last part of it is uh, about eight or sorry, seven and a half years ago. I've always kind of had an inkling of I want to work for myself, um, but some things have transpired at that point to where I just really needed to take that leap. So I finally had the courage and I asked a, another industry friend of ours, her name is Pamela Lund, if I could just shadow her for a day because I knew nothing about running my own agency. I had never worked for an agency before, which I kind of wish I did in the past since I was always in-house, but um, she's like, I'll do you one better and I'll teach you everything I know and I'll give you half my clients because I've taken on too much work myself. And I want to start a completely different um, business. So she's like, you give me half my time back and I'll teach you everything and let you run from there. So I'm still thankful to this day for her because I took that leap and here we are seven and a half years later and we're working with some really cool brands and I've been working for myself. That's so generous of Pamela. Question on that. Um, you don't have to answer if you don't want to, right? But did she literally just give you half the business or... Did she kind of uh, she still has her, uh, you know, agency consultancy, um, but she did give me half of her clients. And then, you know, she I did a lot of paid search back then, but then I realized that I wanted to do paid social. So we we're both separate entities. We're doing our own things, but um, I, I helped her out. And then she kind of just we split it up to her. She would do paid search. I would do paid social. So uh, to this day, we still have like a couple of clients that we team up on for who wants to do it's a collaboration. Yeah. And if you get a, a PPC client, a search client, you'd kind of pass it on to her? Yes. Got it. Interesting. All right. So, uh, Anu, why don't we uh, go to you next? Tell us a little bit about how you got to where you are today at Marin. Of course. Um, it, it's, been a, it's been a long winding road of a journey, to be honest. If, if anyone told me, like, yeah, 10 years ago I'd be working tech sites, I'd be like, eh, I don't know. That's, it's really weird. I, I thought I'd be the person always in the, in the weeds of 
you know, paid search reports. I love Excel. That's really what really got me into it. Seriously, like my first interview with, with um, like the, the likes of Visium, they like the interviewer was like, you know, do you like data analysis? Do you like being Excel? And I was like, oh my God, do I? I, I was that geeky kid. So weird when I used to play with my dad's laptop and putting up, pulling up VLOOKUPs and doing tables. Um, you're so strange, Anu. <laughs> <laughs> Look at me and think, you know, yeah, she's a bit of a nerd, but I, I am. Um, no, I know too, so I, I, can, I can call you on that. <laughs> it's fine. Um, so, yeah, that, that's it. So I, I started off, like, you know, working in digital agencies, which was really great for, you know, looking at, seeing the breadth of the different kind of brands you could work on, the different kind of, um, you know, account types and, you know, B2B, B2C, small, large, all that kind of stuff. Um, but one thing I really didn't like, and, and unfortunately I hear still going on today, is like just all the silos, you know, there's only like, there's a pizza team that never talked to SEO or never talked to like email marketing or never talked to CRO and never talked to anybody else. And it was it's always just paid search, um, um, targets and rowing and all that kind of stuff. And I was always interested in like business school. How does paid search actually work within the whole ecosystem of the digital marketing um, efforts that are being made for a brand? So I moved um, to in-house side and um, worked for these guys called Premier Farnell, which is how I actually came first in contact with Marin because their third party tool was Marin. So that's, that's when it really started. I started really liking the idea of automation and even also, I went. So I started talking at conferences and came in in touch with um, the, the the lads from Brain Labs. Um, so the, the Dan Gilbert and um, Dan Bottiglieri as well. And um, you know they were really into the scripts. They were giving loads of scripts out for free. Unfortunately, Fred, you, me, and you, we didn't come in contact till quite a bit later because uh, I know. Yeah, you're very much into the script world as well, and with optimizer. But you know, it's I really got really got into automate uh, uh, automation way back then. So we're talking like in about like ugh, like eight nine years uh, ago, and um, because I've I've always also seen myself as a bit of a efficiently lazy person. I like if something can take you an hour to do instead of the three four hours that some long reports could do. Let's get it done in an hour and get on to the next thing so I was hugely a fan of automation straight away um and I'd always like push all different kinds of automations um you know on my client and I love the fact that what paid search also allowed me to do is come across a loads of third-party tools you know the likes of Ken Shu, Ignition One, DC Storm way back when, SA360 of course um and the like so it's it really gave me the breadth and the the amazing journey to then become um, going in-house on with a, a tech tool and um, and I'm really seeing not just the experience of my agency side and in-house but also the experience of being part of the community I feel being part of the PPC chat community is, is my secondary job is like literally just being there showing up giving my advice hearing what's going on and um great to be able to bring that back into the community to help us do things better for paid search advertisers yeah and for uh, the people who don't know ppc chat so that happens uh, i believe wednesdays on twitter at nine o'clock tuesdays, tuesdays on... <laughs> well my yeah. release is on wednesday i'm sure that's what you were thinking of yes right? exactly <laughs> <laughs> and then you also recently became the president of the psa so like you're not very busy are you 
No, no busy at all. <laughs> yes, I. It's you know from the beginning of my career, I I have been one of those people where I I come from a, an amazing family of philanthropists, doctors, um, and and you know PhD holders who do amazing things for people. And I'd always been trying to find that. That is that is in my DNA. I find what do I do? What do, what has been part of my job is helping people, and. I think the truth is a lot of advertising is really about making more money for somebody else. And so for me, for many years, I used to think I was not really comfortable with that. And every once in a while, I think, oh, maybe I'll leave marketing at some point because I don't see, really see how I'm helping people. So when I started really doing the podcast and when, you know, started being part of the community and being a mentor to more juniors and seeing, you know, other, like, especially women, other black females, other, you know, people who are like me, who thought the, 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 the entry to in this industry was so hard, a light bulb moment went in my head. I was like, okay, maybe I, sh I should stick around for this. I should definitely stick around for this because this is where my, my desire and my love to actually help people and get people doing paid better, being able to get into the industry a lot, you know, um, getting into interest industry easier and making them not, you know, have how to deal with the imposter syndrome. Everyone has it, you know, that whole, I'm not doing things right. I should be learning this a lot quicker. Oh my God. How come that, that other person knows how to do this? And I don't, I, these questions that I have, should I be asking them? It might make me look stupid, you know, to be able to debunk all those, like, you know, yeah, it's not, it's not okay to ask those questions. Like, no, it's really okay. And how, how to be just help people get along in that way. So that's become a really good, a big passion of mine. Yeah. When Google changes things basically every week, like we're all imposters. We've, we've never done this before. We're all having to do again. Um, Julie Bacchini, Bacchini was on the show not that long ago. And uh, she's been doing PPC for over 20 years. And she basically said, listen, this is like the fourth time that I'm relearning how Google Ads works because every couple of years it's just different. Yeah. Um, and, and then I looked this up for uh, a speech that I gave, but the human body replaces itself every seven years. After seven years, every cell in your body has basically been replaced by a new one. Um, yeah. That's kind of like Google Ads, right? Except Google Ads replaces itself faster than every seven years. Yeah, every few months, Google Ads <laughs> replaces itself. Exactly. Uh, Nava, do you ever feel like an imposter in uh Tell us how you got to where you are. All the time. Uh, all the time. I, I feel like an imposter. Uh, I, I think I, I don't think I've ever had a colleague uh, that has uh, ever or a close colleague that has ever not had to walk me off the ledge and remind me that I'm actually competent. Um, and I think it's because when one is clever, one is able to know what one doesn't know. Um, so uh, in a, an abridged uh, history of me, I actually wanted to be a high school English teacher, um, but I uh, pivoted from that because I saw that I would be both poor and ineffective in the current education system. And that just, I, I, I couldn't do it. Um, and I had this really impactful conversation uh, with a relative who, who basically said, what are you doing? You are denying your nature. You are denying what you are good at. Go into marketing. Like you are, you are good at this. Go, go do it. Um, so I, I ended up transferring. Uh, and while I, I was uh, in college, I, I got my certifications. I started doing some kind of like freelance side work, um, got my first gig actually in SEO. 
um, that was probably uh, both the best and worst experience because it taught me um, that in order to to really convey and, and to and to uh, be heard, you have to have an authority voice and a professional voice and your friend voice. Uh, and if you allow uh, too many uh, to see uh, only the friend voice, uh, you 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 can sometimes not be taken as seriously. But if you own your authority voice, uh, that's that's when you can uh, really enact change and you can empower people to to do well. So after uh, a sometimes um, spent in the SEO space. I actually took uh, the money I earned, started a startup, uh, trying to go back to education uh, called Angel Ed, uh, which was meant to help uh, education be as debt-free and employable as possible, connecting students to scholar uh, scholarships and mentors. Um, it ended up failing, uh, but it was a great educational experience. Um, and it built uh, a lot of really good connections for me actually now in the university space uh, to help uh, disseminate uh, digital marketing knowledge uh, to help the, the next generation of, of digital marketers, analysts, so on and so forth. Uh, all the while, uh, I, while I was working on that startup, I was doing freelance work uh, on the PPC side. Uh, ended up uh, at in Fred's uh, tradition of inviting competitors on at WordStream. I spent five years at WordStream. Um, and I fell in love with the idea of SaaS, uh, our software as a service. And the reason why I fell in love with it is uh, much like has been discussed, uh, there is a genuine love of helping people. I, I, I truly, truly love seeing the benefit um, uh, that a brand can get. Um, but unfortunately, it's not scalable to have one-to-one -one assistance. You are not going to be able to enact as much good one-to-one -one as you could through software. And so what was nice about WordStream is not only was I able uh, to help people um, and work on individual accounts, spread interesting knowledge, um, but also work on software that could scale really clever strategies. Um, and so that that piece of product really stuck with me. I ended up after WordStream uh, going to build uh, the paid arm uh, for Hennessy Digital. Uh, we, we ended up managing a, a book of business of about 1.5 million ad spend per month. Uh, so I built a kind of an entity there. It's an agency, went, ended up uh, then at Justino, which is a CRO software, then went to AdZuma, which was the uh, PPC management software. Uh, and I realized after those two software jumps that, you know what, I need to take a break belonging to a brand. Um, and what was actually very fortuitous uh, is that because AdZuma was based in the UK, I had to set up a corporation uh, for myself uh, to be paid because they, they were not they were going to have to pay me as a 1099 contractor. Uh, so that the decision that I had been uh, weighing and I Akvila, I like wish I could give you a hug through this call. Uh, Akvila uh, gave me a lot of really good advice um, and a lot of really good encouragement. Like you know what, just just make that leap. Um, like you're like you are meant to do this. Like the, you have the brain and the the, the workflow to do it this way. Uh, and so. After I realized, you know what, I need to take a break. Uh, I, I, I made the, the the call. You know what, we're we're going to just focus on my consulting business. And and what's nice is that uh, because of the width and breadth of my experience uh, working with the thousands of brands from the WordStream side, uh, the thought leadership piece, um, speaking, writing, being the ask the PPC for Search Engine Journal. Uh, I'm about to to also write for Search Engine Land. Uh, public speaking circuit, uh, I had enough um, inbound interest that I could just say, I'm, I'm going to go off on my own uh, and, and 
it, it was a fairly easy decision. Um, I could not have done that at the beginning of my career, even though I tried. Uh, so it, it's, it's really nice kind of coming full circle um, and being in a place where I can help the people I really want to help. I can solve the problems I really want to solve. Um, taking, again, every, every moment of sadness pays for a moment of happiness. And I, and I, I firmly, firmly believe that uh, all of the things I, I get to work on are, are a direct result of that. Nice. And uh, so I love the whole personal branding thing and how that's enabled you to get to where you are today, have more control over the decisions that you make. Um, so let's jump into that a little bit. So all three of you have amazing personal brands in the industry. Was that a conscious decision to start building that for you? Yes. Oh, 100%. And I'm sorry, I'm jumping what's, right back uh, in. What, what's, oh, what's no, thank you for letting me jump back in. I got to catch myself. Go I just tried to say I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so he, this is actually really important. And this is something that ev everyone should have a brand outside of the brand that they work for. Because no matter how good you are, you are replaceable. Um, there is no, nothing outside of you uh, that that will that will retain like you could always be be pushed aside. So after a series of interesting working experiences where I would work really 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 bloody hard, um, and maybe things would work out, maybe things wouldn't. From a, pra a pragmatist standpoint, I knew I had to start to come up with my own brand so that I could have leverage to to push forward things I knew had to happen because it wasn't just some quiet little kid banging on the door with with an opinion this was nava hopkins or before i got married nava fuchs saying this this it needs to happen there's outside clout there that that is that if we don't listen what are the repercussions of that um and and i was very aware that as i started to build my own external clout i not only was able to enact those things i was able to add more value to the company so i was able to command a greater salary um of course, the main motivation was helping people and, and spreading useful information. Um, but there is a certain degree of selfishness that I think is important that everyone owns um, and pragmatism that everyone owns when, when thinking about your brand and how you leverage your brand um, in internal discussions. Exactly. I think having a personal brand has huge benefits, but it's also a fair amount of additional work and it takes, it's not easy to get there, right? So um it, it is a trade-off and i guess that's why that selfish component is necessary otherwise i think people just wouldn't want to put in the extra work for it uh i i will talk about your personal branding and how you use it to get new clients similarly to what nava said uh, my mom said this too when i was younger she's like no one's going to come knocking on your door unless you you know, put yourself out there. So I try to take that in many different aspects of my life, especially professionally. But when Twitter came out, we were, I just, I loved it. Like it took me a little while to figure it out. But once we connected with marketers, it was just like, I was genuinely excited to just share things. But the helpfulness aspect of it is what really just, I thrive on sharing, helping. That generally makes me happy. Like that's the, the trade-off for me. Like I share something and I get, personal fulfillment from it because people have shared with me, my career wouldn't be where it is if there weren't other people in our industry that were so helpful, you know, selfless and sharing different information. There's plenty of work to go out there. So I love that we're competitive, but we're still all very intertwined and very willing to help people reaching out just without anything 
you know, they don't expect anything in return necessarily. But for me, I just think Twitter really helped things take off. And um, you do have to be a little bit kind of healthy, selfish, as Nava, Nava put it. Um, you know, you do have to say, I'm good at this. I can do this. If I'm accepting clients, um, put it out there. I was so hesitant the first time, um, it was year two of my business. I lost two of our biggest clients in one week. One got acquired by a larger company that came back to us six months later. Another one, their CEO resigned and I was not prepared for something like that. And I was trying to learn how to do business development. And that's where I really decided to lean further into my social network and offline, online. And I very reluctantly just tweeted, hey, we're accepting clients. And I felt like a, such a failure at that moment. And everyone's like, oh, you just incorporated. Like you look, you're, you're growing, congratulations. And I was like, oh, like that is not how I felt. But now I'm not afraid to put that out in there anymore because, you know, other people can have different perspectives and your closest group of uh, confidants will know what's really going on behind the scenes, but there's no shame in telling people what you're good at, what you can do to help others. And I think just being a helpful person that's excited about the industry that we're in, maybe updates, you know, I work more on the, the paid social side of things and Facebook has a lot of uh, challenges that come along with it. And there's a lot of people complaining about it. So I've, I'm guilty. I've done it once in a while, but I think as long as you're genuine, you're helpful, and you're focused on, you know, not just putting out content that's going to be interesting and helpful to someone else, but also um, getting things back from the community. So I think there's a really good uh, kind of equal trade going on in using your personal brand so people know who you are and what you do and how you can help them is, is very important for the success of you, whether you're working in-house at a brand, an agency, or um, for yourself. And thank you for sharing because that's very actionable, I think. Um, like how do you start building this personal brand? Well, it can be as easy as going on Twitter and engaging in PPC chat mm. and chiming in. So PPC chat, the format is basically there's five to six questions that get asked and everyone gets to weigh in and you can weigh in with, hey, here's what I think about performance max campaigns. And so you start building up that reputation, that credibility, and then that can lead into, like you're saying, a chance to tell people, hey, I'm taking new clients. Please reach out to me. Uh, Anu, obviously, uh, you're very engaged with PPC chat. Um, is that a channel that you use to build your personal brand or how did you go about it? Absolutely. I mean, yeah, PPC chat definitely really helped to make it almost like an easy Tuesday, Wednesday strategy of like, this is how I'll, I'll interact. This is how I'll show what I know about our industry. Um, I think it is one of the, you know, little positives that came out of the pandemic years. Like, you know, we were, I was in my house, I was in front of a screen more times than, than ever now. Um, and so honestly, the PPC chat community dug me out of some of my, yeah, lowest moments of just, yeah, just go on there you know and it, it wouldn't necessarily always be a tweet about paid search it'll be about something that makes people laugh you know and you know the way just just talking about all the frustration all the frustrations everybody's going through you just there was a definitely amazing feeling of you are not alone in in the feelings you're having about you know your frustrations about the situation industry the clients you could be working on frustrating clients you know wanting to move and you know things that you have to do because you need to keep a client and um uh, there was just so much you know joy to just get involved with that and yeah especially during the pandemic i also picked up on trying to be more regular even on linkedin and for me that was just an opportunity to not need to job hunt anymore not need to 
be the one searching for what the next great opportunity needs to be. I saw a direct correlation with more people headhunting me, more people looking out for me for to to participate to to partner in something. Once I started leaning into, um, you know, posting more, you know, on LinkedIn, even it was just about sharing some of my difficult moments, you know, and the wins and, you know, the tough times and moving around. And you'd always find that, you know, there'll, there'll be some things that you think to yourself, oh, I don't want to share. This would be annoying or nobody wants to hear about this. And it'll be those posts that get the most interaction, the most engagement, the most Oh my God, we don't, can't believe that you're doing this, you know, because sometimes I, you know, I, and I have moved around a lot because I've always had a strong sense of, I'm not going to stay where somewhere I'm not happy, even if it's only been there for three, I've only been there for three months. And then you have this weird feeling of like, oh God, I'm not going to post them in a new job. I just have to three months. What would people say? What will people think? And you get so much amazing support from the, get so much amazing support from the community. And I'm like, oh Jesus, all of these things, it's just in my head. All this weird yeah. <laughs> my head and so I've actually now that's almost even motivated me to even do more of it and to encourage other people as well who are also having that whole oh lord I want to leave but I don't know whether I should and um it, you know it just it just it's there are just some things that it's, a lot of it is just in your head and you just need to post it out to realize that so, so let me start to um, interject here I said sorry let me take the opportunity thank you for letting me interject um, but I find this really interesting because I think you're going into the personal voice and the professional voice that Nava uh, brought up earlier in the show. Yeah. Um, and that's actually something that I personally struggle with. I think I have way more of a professional voice. And, mm -hmm. and so then, like, for some reason, all digital marketers are on, on, on Twitter. Like, that's the place. Like, nobody else in the world seems to enjoy Twitter anymore. No. Uh, that's where we are. And then, you know, people come up and are like, well, why aren't you doing more Instagram? Why aren't you like making TikTok videos about PPC? Is that something that you have all looked at? And and, and talk more about that, uh, how you draw the line between that personal and the brand voice. Because it sounds like you kind of mix both together. You do that across platforms as well? I, yeah, I do that uh, together. I mean, it's... It as, as and 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 um you know Aquila will probably like side me on this one all the different paid social channels have different ways of working instagram is not going to work the same way facebook will work it's not the same way twitter so you cannot just say oh paid social voice and i'll do the same thing across all the different channels that will fail um so i think it's definitely very important to realize what works for you? What, you know, how many voices can you materialize? And that, that might sound a bit like yeah, <laughs> personality disorder. <laughs> but no, I think, you know, I, I just, I, with, with LinkedIn, I know that I can handle just posting like, let's say once a day, Monday to Friday, because my brain is that it's a professional network. That's how I see it. I, I see some people doing it in different ways and it working very well for them. And for me, I look at, I, I, I see it in a way that they, they, they probably put in a lot more work, a lot more time into it than I have. And I don't. And the, the pace at which I'm going, the growth that I'm seeing works for me. I'm happy with it. With Twitter, it's a lot more conversational. It's a, it's a lot more like, you know, nuance. You can, you know, have a little bit of fun and play with it. Um, so I'll do more long posts on LinkedIn, but I can throw in like a random thought that's just, that has just come in my head at 1 PM. Might, might be about coffee, might be about Google, either one, I might post it. It might work. It might not work. And, um, I think what one thing also has to remember, one people that has to remember is that because one 
post doesn't work doesn't mean the next won't. So because you failed one or two posts or didn't get really the engagement. Yeah, so now you get back in your head and you're like, oh my God, people don't like what I'm talking about. You don't like it. I don't. My post is not working today. You're like, no, no, no. <laughs> just, just keep going. See, with some of them channels, you just need to keep going with it. Yeah. I feel, I mean, we should definitely bring this one back to you because you're the social expert. So what do you think about this? I feel like I've been struggling the last two years. I have a, a toddler now. So, you know, juggling that with COVID and a baby, I haven't done as much as I want to. I yearn to, but the creativity of, that tries to resurface um, is not something that's been really great the last uh, two years. But before that, um, you know, I try to figure out who the audience is, what I want to convey. So, yeah, with Twitter, I use it mostly for marketing. I'll, I'll throw in a few things that are personally just to, add that human component because I also do want to share certain things with that community and other people that might be my followers um, with LinkedIn. Yeah. Professional as well. Uh, but something like Instagram, I do enjoy sharing some work related things, but I know that it's much more, um, you know, a lot of marketing friends on there from the industry, but also just people that don't work in this space. So I try to be a little respective of like, you know, yeah. what would they be interested in as well from my, and so you use a single profile and you use your personal profile, but you share marketing stuff through it? Yes, uh, because there's too much to handle too. I try to do just one for advertise, but I'm like, you know, I work remotely. I've been working remotely for 10 years and there's only so much you can do. And I know I can get creative there, but I'm just limited on bandwidth. So for instance, on Instagram, since it is my personal account and people know what I do, I will share things like, you know, when we used to go more to um, in-person events, like, hey, I'm here, this is what we're doing, just to make it exciting for people that are also not in this space. So for instance, uh, you know, just moved last weekend and finally set up my office again little by little so I shared the thing like oh you know like you know my office is set up and I'm about to do this really great conversation with some people I respect and learned a ton from so that type of stuff is still career related but it kind of intertwines with personal so I think it's best to understand you know how do you want to be conveyed to the people that follow you whether you're public or private on different channels or if you're younger maybe greener to the industry um what your goal is what do you want to be known for how do you want to evolve your account your persona per se um, but just, you know, try to mix in a little bit of personal so people know that there is a more human warmth component to you of, you know, if they can approach you about something else, because while we do work most of our week, most of our lives, I think it's also important to show that, you know, it's, life is not just work, we should work to live, maybe, you know, live to work, whatever you want to do. But at some point, it's not 100%, right? We're multifaceted beings. So I think it's okay to put out some personal stuff in between uh, career-oriented posts as well. Thanks for sharing that. All right, uh, let's shift topics here a little bit. Um, and now maybe we'll go back to you. But, uh, okay, so now you run a consultancy. You're having to go out there. Uh, I'm, I'm sure people are knocking down your door to work with you, but, but at the end, you still have to sell, right? So how do you get buy-in in sales situations? And throughout your career, when you... Uh, we're perhaps presenting to a room full of men. Um, how do you get by and how do you get them to, to, to trust you? And, and I know the personal brand that you built was something that helped you. But for those people listening today who haven't quite gotten to that personal brand level, um, what advice would you give to be like that trusted expert and getting by in more easily? So uh, I'm going to give advice of what uh, you should do. And then give advice of what you shouldn't do. Um, we're going to start with what you should do. Uh, be genuine 
uh, and authentic in what in what you can uh, reasonably provide. Uh, do not allow anyone to to pressure you into um, hard metrics, hard goals that you you will deliver on. Um, instead lean into what you can specifically provide. So for example, um, one, one client I've, I've taken on, uh, we're now going into a monthly retainer. They started off on just projects. Uh, they wanted hard metrics of what the fixes that we I was proposing would be able to deliver them. Uh, and I flat out refused. I'm like, I, I, I will not promise you something that I cannot guarantee will happen. These are the things I'm expecting to happen. Um, this is why I'm expecting to happen and give data behind why. Um, and, and it all worked out. And now uh, they kept asking me, hey, uh, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? I'm like, you know what? If you would like to be on a monthly retainer, uh, let's let's be on a monthly retainer. Uh, otherwise, we're going to need to make these projects. Um, and they found the advice. They found uh, the value I was able to provide useful. Um, that that they, they ended up going with that retainer. So the in terms of uh, yeah, what, I, what I'm hearing is you, you're kind of doing the pushback earlier on rather than sort of like going with the flow. And then correct, because what, no and this goes to what you shouldn't do. Um, don't devalue yourself by giving away your brilliant mind for free. Um, a lot of times when I was younger, uh, I was so insecure in my in my intelligence um, that I felt the need to prove it um, and I, I would give away everything of value right up front um, and so by the time it came to, to actually selling and the time it came to actually securing the clients they didn't need me because I had already given them everything away for free and and I was you left. Advice, so you built a software to make it easy to uh, to run it. So like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So is um and and I think that's actually one of the reasons why I, I leaned I leaned so heavily on software is because um you're you're able to uh build out solutions and even if you solve one thing with a lot of wit for free at the beginning just to kind of what the appetite you still can then build those those really um, interesting iterative solutions. So um, I, I find it easiest uh, to work in that space. But um, for those that are just getting started, it is okay to give a tidbit of advice. You do not need to give everything away for free. The other thing that's very important to own uh, is what kind of tone do you need to bring to the conversation? There are certain people when I'm speaking to them, I am a very clean cut um uh, I, I lean very much into the fact that I am a, a well-educated uh, college grad. Uh, I, I've been in the industry 15 years. I will lean into every single award I've won. There are other people where I'm far more casual, far more accessible. Um, I have sold more uh, high-value deals on my Star Wars geekery than, than my actual PPC knowledge. Because when you like who you do business with, uh, it's so much easier to have that conversation, so much easier to grow that relationship. If everything feels like it's nickel and diming or a fight, uh, that it's it's not a healthy relationship. And it doesn't matter if you get um, one really big month of MRR or one really big month of, of spend, if, if the relationship will be poor, if there will be a lack of trust, if there will always be this question of value, you will hate that work and you will ultimately do bad work. And then you, that will feed your imposter syndrome and then it'll just be bad. So find find folks that you enjoy working with. Own your value. Do not give everything away for free. 
um, and and test the limit of, of how much people are willing to charge. Like I started off when, when, when I was first doing my pricing um, at $100 an hour. I now get 250 an hour for just consultative work and, and people don't bat an eye at it because they know that they are going to get much more um, value out of, out of that spend. So it's, don't be afraid to, to test your, your prices um, and, and look for those yeah. uh, friend relationships within your authority voice. Right. And then I guess we all go about pricing a little bit the same way, right? When I ran an agency way back when shortly, briefly in between doing Google and optimizer, but it was like, okay, let me charge this much. Like that's my comfort limit of what I can ask for. And then people would consistently say yes. And I was like, oh, maybe I can increase it a little yeah. bit. And so that's how you get there. But also ask around in the industry because if everyone's saying yes, because you're underpricing yourself by half, then that's no yeah. good, right? Mm -hmm. um, hey, Aguila, let's go uh, to you about getting buy-in from clients, uh, existing clients, new clients. Like how do you, how, how have you handled it? Um, it's easier now. I feel like since I have a lot of experience, um, throughout the years, but when I was younger, it was uh, certainly more challenging being green. And I feel like I wasn't very confident in my voice. Um, I was nervous about public speaking. So I feel like people can pick up the tone in your voice. And if you're not sounding very confident, it's much more difficult to get a buy-in. So a few years back, I like I knew this was a, an issue for myself and I needed to overcome it, especially if I wanted to be successful in business. And I wanted to start speaking at conferences. So I went to Toastmasters. And if, you know, if this is an issue for you, it's wonderful, wonderful global organization. I didn't miss a single weekly meeting for a year. And my first speaking engagement was a, a keynote um, at, at the Adobe campus in Salt Lake City, which I never thought I could get to that point. But going to Toastmasters helped me so much in being able to be present when I'm speaking, to use a more confident tone, even if I'm not feeling confident, if I'm having a bad day and I have to do a presentation or do a, a sales call of a prospective client. But I've noticed that same thing, like I'll test different prices. And I was so worried about doing that. I'm like, just say it with confidence, even if I'm not feeling confident, maybe practice before I hop on the call. And I have not had anybody push back. So I, that gave me more confidence for the next call and the next call. And I feel like even if you're feeling like an imposter, you're not feeling at your best, um, just practicing it out loud and don't hesitate. Try not to stumble. Of course, we all stumble from time to time, but as long as you convey it that way, then that prospective client will be confident in your skills and be like, okay, you know, if she can say that voice or that price, then she's worth that most likely. And as Nava pointed out, um, definitely sense out how that relationship is going to be and set the boundaries, set the, you know, the expectations early on, because there are so many red flags that you can pick up over the years as you do this longer of uh, what a good relationship is. And, you know, sense it out, trust your gut, because when has anyone ever said, oh, I shouldn't have trusted my gut, right? Especially if you're, you know, more intuitive and working with people. Uh, but I feel like that's very important uh, to do, especially if you are looking to be more forward facing, you know, work up um, at a company to a more executive position or a VP of some sort, uh, or just working for yourself, because that will help set the tone for your business and your success. It's amazing advice. And I, I have to make light of this, uh, sadly, but I should have not trusted my gut when my good friend told me five, six years ago that I should have bought Bitcoin. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, there is no way in the world that this can be right. Here we are. You're not alone. <laughs> right. So yeah, we all have regrets. Um, but in the end, you're right. I mean, trust your gut because 
I think there's regrets of opportunity missed are very different from regrets of having taken on a bad client who's made your life so stressful that you hate your job, you don't get time with your kids. Um, I think those are two very different things. So that's great advice. Uh, Anu, what about you? What about me about winning? Uh, pushing, pushing back, right? So a group full of uh, men, you got to present to them first time. They don't believe you maybe. Like, how do you have, before you had your personal brand, before you were who you are today, um, you're younger, you, how would you have dealt with that room? Um, I think I, I, I definitely have to give credit for that for me to, again, it's something that I've, I've mentioned, like my family, I come from a very overachieving, confident family. And I've, I've always been like, I, I have that running through my veins. Like if I'm, if I, if I'm in a room, I deserve to be in a room. If, if I'm, if I'm on a stage, I deserve to be on that stage. Um, so and and especially like I mean my first like speaking gig my first like was I was I was a bit I had a bit of like stage fright and I just mentioned it and I was like oh let's yeah let's just throw it out there like look a bit nervous my first one and then I just got, got into my talk and it had such great feedback and I was like well that's that's not too hard and even like in fact the way I started thinking about it is that if you're the person brave enough to be the one standing up there and talking you've got something of value to say you've got you've, you've done the brave thing you've done the the good thing as um you know to start off with so your audience have every right to listen to you um and so I've, I've always just made sure that I always come well prepared uh always come with my confidence and never feel bad about not being able to answer certain questions because you don't necessarily need to have all the answers to all the questions on the spot. It's okay to say, sorry, that bit that I, you, you know, you just asked me, I don't know, um, but this is what I know. And that bit that, you know, that I don't know, I'll research it and come back to you. Cause everyone's learning, everyone's growing and you won't always have the answers all the time. So, you know, at, at the end of the day, it's just about making sure that, yeah, you do your preparation, but you, you don't get flustered if there's something that has been asked about that you do not know. Um, yeah, and just keeping at it. It's a very, it's also very, very much a relentless game. I think how I've really stuck in is that even in the good days and bad days, just realizing I just need to get back in there. You know, people, things, things will fail, things will not always go right, but you only there's always there's there's a 50-50% chance that you could get something if you present yourself. There's a hundred percent chance you won't get it if you don't show up at all. So the biggest thing is to just continue to showing up and try to be better than the last time. All right. Wayne Gretzky said you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Absolutely. <laughs> um, I, I love the whole preparation thing and being true to your voice, right? So um, when presentations go badly, whether that's a presentation on stage or a presentation in front of a bunch of clients, it's when you're presenting somebody else's work and you don't know the detail, right? Yeah. And it's okay to not have all the answers, like you said, but you should be the expert you should really know what you're talking about because people will call your uh the bullshit if absolutely yeah all right so uh this has been amazing i want to have a lightning round here um one piece of advice you would give your younger you 
All right, I'll go first. Um, kind of piggybacking off the last question. I wish I had a stronger voice when I was younger. I, ha I think a lot and I internalize a lot, but it doesn't. And I feel like I just had this wall up where I wouldn't externalize it, which I didn't learn until much later. And I finally started speaking up and, you know, telling people my opinion. I used to be afraid of not being liked. And I'm getting to the point where like, not everyone's going to like you and that's okay. So I would just tell myself to not be afraid to speak up and to have gone to Toastmasters when I was younger. <laughs> That's great advice. Who wants to go next? Oh, you go, go down now. <laughs> oh, my advice, like the first thing that came to my mind is um, your imposter syndrome voice is wrong. Um, you know, that's that's really like the biggest advice. Like, you know, there will be situations, especially there'll be situations that you feel that, you know, maybe I shouldn't have done that or that went wrong and, you know, and I'm not, I, I shouldn't speak my mind up here. That, that voice is wrong. Um, and um, it, oh yeah. And it almost like similar to like, like speak up. It's, it's, it's better to speak up and, you know, maybe to be corrected than to just not speak up at all. It's, it's better to still speak up, um, you know, because, yeah, your imposter syndrome voice is wrong. And you know, about the imposter syndrome, um, so there's this whole notion that experts, it's like this self-fulfilling prophecy. Once you're an expert, you can say almost anything you want and people will believe it because you are the expert. And so I think if you're that younger person sitting in the room with someone with much, with much more experience, I mean, do realize that often they may not be quite as hands-on with these very rapidly shifting tool sets and systems. And so their perception on it may not be as accurate as yours, um, right? And so there may be a disconnect between what you think and what you hear from the experts, but that doesn't necessarily mean the expert is, is right. And that's where I think it's really important what you're saying is um, don't necessarily challenge them because challenging someone doesn't necessarily lead to productive outcome, yeah. right? but, but help them help them see the other side, ask about the other side. Maybe they hadn't thought about it and start having that conversation um, because everybody gets smarter that way. Absolutely. It's it's important that we can discuss. And that's what's so amazing about the PVC chat community. It's important that we can discuss what's working for one person and might not be working for another person and how, uh, you know, because, yeah, Google brings a lot of strife with all their updates and some people be like, oh, it's working for me. And other people are like, no, it's not. It's the worst thing ever. And it's, it's, it's really great to be part of that, that community that lets you see that, well, it's not about it's good or it's bad. It's all about test it to see if it works. And, you know, you can test loads of different things and a test will work for one client. It will not work for another client. And there'll be different, loads of different caveats you need to put into place to say things work. Because, yeah, we have all these thought leaders on, on, on Twitter who is like, bring this big sentence, bring this big statement. And I think it's important that they be like, the caveat though is that 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 that's always missed out and i think and that's why sometimes i add to the conversation someone will put this big sentence i was like well it depends on it depends one of our favorite phrases in this industry yeah, exactly <laughs> it depends and that's what makes twitter so difficult for ppc because it's like well here's the answer and then here's the 10 caveats to that but like i ran out of characters <laughs> um, anyway. hot take <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> All right, sorry. Nava, you you give us your amazing tidbit. I I back up all, all that um that that's been said. I guess simply just own your power. Um 
You have power in your questions. You have power in your wit. You have power in your work ethic. You have power in every single choice that you make. Um, And even if something is not quite right, and even if you get set back a little bit, um, there is power in overcoming it and having that data point that you have overcome that adversity and you you own um, your voice and your, and your power. Um, there have been several instances in my career where people have tried to shake that. Um, and I think one of the reasons why um, I appreciate so much this industry is that there are so many opportunities um, for true teeth in, in technical expertise and then also wit and strategy uh, to, to kind of protect those that are actually good um, and, and put to the side those that might try to shake confidence of, of the worthy. So mm. own your power, own your worth. Uh, do not allow anyone to, to make you question that. Great advice from everyone. Well, thank you so much. Um, Viewers, thanks for watching. If you've enjoyed this episode, you want to get more of PPC Town Hall, uh, use the subscribe button. You can also subscribe to the email list on our website. That way you'll find out when we have new episodes. They roughly happen about twice a month. So uh, thank you to our panelists, Agvila, Nava, Anu. You've been fantastic. Thank you for sharing all these wonderful insights and uh, for remaining thought leaders, experts, um, and educators, most of all. Oh, and let's get rid of that box we're covering on this face. <laughs> let's uh let's go to this view no that doesn't work okay how about this view no uh oh, this is better we can see everyone so thanks for uh for joining us that little thing that was up at the bottom of the screen my producers are trying to tell you that i just wrote a book unleveled the playing field go ahead and check that out on amazon uh but again thank you so much for being here thanks for sharing uh hope to have you again on another episode and have a wonderful day everyone bye. thank you bye